Welcome to the Spy Fact Guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. I'm Christian. And I'm Zach. And today we have a microdot for you. Yes, we do. This past month has been Mission Impossible season, so I thought I would bring you a microdot all about gadgets. All right, very curious. So the subject of today's micro dot is the Dirty Tricks Department, Stanley Lovell, the OSS, and the Masterminds of World War II Secret Warfare by John Lisley. Okay. This has been featured in the Spy Museum as well as other places, and I should point out that all the stories you're about to hear are just from the first quarter of the book. <laughs> okay. There was too much for a full micro dot, but I did want to share some stories, and I hope you enjoy okay. them. The main characters of the book are William Donovan, the head of the OSS. Right, Wild Bill Donovan. And his friend slash employee named Stanley Lovell, who was the American Q as opposed to Charles Foster okay. Smith, the British Q. Fraser Smith. Fraser Smith, thank you. That's why we have you here to remember. <laughs> he was the mastermind behind the OSS, and a lot of his work involved gadgets. Okay. Before we get to all the gadgets, we have my favorite story from the book that I wanted to tell you now. All right. So when the OSS was getting started, they had hundreds of new recruits, and the final exam for them was they had to successfully infiltrate an American defense plant or factory or depot or something like that. Interesting. Okay. So if they successfully got the material and got out without being caught, they could join the OSS as an agent. <laughs> the FBI complained about it all the time, but they I still did. I can imagine. <laughs> so there was one story about an agent named Robert Hall. Okay. He targeted a factory in Philadelphia that made circuit breakers and radar equipment. So in order to get into this defense plant, Robert Hall decided what he was going to do was interview for a job. He was okay. get a tour, see all of the security flaws, vulnerabilities, mm -hmm. and then get what he could get. So he came up with a cover story and a resume that was very elaborate and detailed. It said he was a veteran, he had been wounded overseas, mm -hmm. and he won over his interviewer who he called, quote, in a naive and extremely impressionable young lady. <laughs> okay. So she liked him so much that she arranged for him to meet the company's vice president, her father, for an oh, interview. Oh, boy. <laughs> right? So Robert shows up, look around. This young lady gave him a tour. He learned what he needed to know, but decided to come back for an interview. Because if he actually got a job here, nobody would question his position at the OSS. <laughs> so he met the vice president and learned the vice president loved Army and Navy football games. Okay. Now, Robert was the son of a Navy grad. He had seen every game for the past 20 years. So he was basically best friends with the vice president right away. The vice president invited him to lunch, and Robert went to the factory cafeteria. They entered to the sound of several thousand workers singing God Bless America, because there was a war bond rally taking place that day at the factory cafeteria. Without any warning, the vice president walked to the stage in front of the crowd and said, quote, This gathering is honored by the presence of one of the boys from back there, a former captain oh, in the paratroopers, no. wounded in action and horribly discharged. So Robert was invited to come up, come up, say a few words while the mob of workers sang Dixie. So halfway up the walk, Robert remembered he was supposed to be injured, so he started limping from the injury he sustained overseas. He made an improvised speech where he told the workers to buy war bonds until it hurt, donate to blood banks, and so on. He asked them to write letters to the soldiers overseas because he lied, quote, I was in a tough outfit, but I've seen men walk away from mail call empty-handed with tears in their eyes. <laughs> he limped off to a standing ovation. Quote, there wasn't a dry eye in the house, he recalled with pride. The local newspaper ran a story about him the next morning. War bond <laughs> saw a spike overnight, but he never showed up for his job on Monday. Wow. Right. That's great. So going back to Stanley Lovell, 
He formed a permanent laboratory to test weapons at the Congressional Country Club in Maryland. Hmm. And the golf course was turned into, quote, a hazardous wartime training ground. <laughs> now, do you know if that golf course is still there? I don't see why it wouldn't be, but I haven't gone back and looked it up. That's, that'd be interesting. <laughs> OSS veteran Al Johnson said, quote, we literally just blew the place up. <laughs> so underwater I mean, explosives testings in the water. Wow. Grenades were used to practice in the sand traps. The driving <laughs> range was a rifle range. Someone nicknamed it Malice in Wonderland. <laughs> and somebody said, quote, it was like the Ten Commandments in reverse. Lie and steal, kill, maim, spy. Nice. All right, so now on to the gadgets that I know you've all been waiting for. So mm -hmm. one of the first weapons, what was called Division 19, Marvel's Division made, was a time pencil. Okay. So it was used to place an explosive and delay from 10 minutes to 14 hours. So we've seen these in Valkyrie. Oh, I didn't remember that. So the Germans yeah, came over with the two. They call them out as being American as well. So oh, okay. Yeah. Those are the, it's what they put into the uh, explosive to set it off at the, at the precise time. Mm -hmm. So do you remember the restraining wire that it breaks and then acid goes through a wire? Mm -hmm. Yep. So it took them apparently several months to find a good one that worked. So Donovan led a crowdsourcing effort. He encouraged ordinary Americans to come up with ideas for new military tech, and they received hundreds of thousands of ideas, many of which were in Vince Houghton's book, Nuking the yep. Moon, which you may recall. So one guy kept following Vannevar Bush, the U.S. Office of Scientific Research and Development's representative to the point where he became concerned for his own safety <laughs> so the way they got rid of him why the secret service just told him give him an interview which okay. bush did he listened to the idea and then never called him back <laughs> i think we've all been there oh some of these ideas were the cat bomb do you remember the cat bomb from mm -hmm. vince's book so sorry listeners you're gonna have to read that book to find out more about it wait not a bomb it, wait so it was where they put the bomb on the cat and then use it to bomb a ship because the cat will always go towards a ship rather than land in the water. Uh, a cat or a bat? There are two different things. Okay. The bat bombs were also in the book. Right. I remember the bat bombs. I don't remember the cat bombs. Yeah. Well, they never actually put into practice because it's, let's say, not scientifically sound. Mm. So another time, one man drove hundreds of miles to tell Bush about an idea. Bush interviewed him and said, Quote, now look, you must understand the situation in which I'm placed. If this idea was already in the hands of the military, if it was worked on intensively, it would be made very secret so that the enemy wouldn't learn anything about it. I couldn't tell you anything about what's going on because of the regulations on secrecy. I'm not saying this is the case. I'm really saying that if it was the case, I couldn't tell you about it. <laughs> so the man thought the military was already working his idea, never called it back. Some more of their inventions. A major one was a silenced, flashless 22 automatic pistol, hmm. aka a silenced gun. Yeah. Donovan took it to FDR's office, oh. where he fired it 10 times behind FDR's back into a bag of sand that Donovan had brought with him. Wow. Roosevelt didn't even notice until he smelled the gunpowder and was amazed at Donovan's invention. And Donovan gave it to the president as a gift who joked that Donovan was the only Republican allowed to hold a gun in his presence. <laughs> so less successful was the holdup. The idea was they attached to a chest a forward-facing pistol on the side of your chest. And okay. then if you held your hands up, you could expand your chest by taking a deep <laughs> breath and that would shoot the gun. Uh, that's great. But during a day-long trial with a cocked but not loaded weapon, it accidentally fired four times. Oh, geez. So the, the OSS concluded, quote, this is emphatically not a weapon for general issue. 
Hmm. So they also experimented with Beano grenades, which were spherical, like a baseball, easier yeah. to throw. Oh, yeah. They figured Americans raised on baseball would be easier. And the way it killed people was it stoned first and then little pieces of steel into their organs. Oh. I'm not exactly sure how that's different from a regular grenade, but I don't know. So, unfortunately, during a final test at the Aberdeen Proving Grounds in Aberdeen, Maryland, nobody briefed an Army civilian engineer on how it worked. So, to the horror of us all, Lovell said, he threw it skyward and then attempted to catch it as it fell back down. Oh, no. Quote, he was blown apart. Oh, boy. So, I don't really know why that they decided the grenade wasn't really feasible, but they never ended up making it. And then finally, we'll end with a funny story. Lobo had an idea to make a distraction device that would produce a scream. And he got the idea from an OSS agent who said he had been trapped inside a hotel in Berlin, wanted to create a panic in the lobby to escape. All right. Which is a very thing from the movies, very much a Mission Impossible James Bond type thing. So they Mm -hmm. created what's called the Hedy, a small tube filled with gallic acid and potassium chlorate. So they're chemicals that when burned together, they form a volume of gas that needs to leave through a narrow aperture, like blowing a whistle. Huh. Like, so it's gas expanding quickly yeah. and create a screech. And it was named after Hedy Lamar, not because huh. she screamed in movies, but because she was so beautiful. She created panic wherever she went. <laughs> created it. I don't know if they ever use it. I don't remember that from the book, but then during a briefing of division 19's various gadgets to the joint chiefs of staff, which for those mm-hmm. of you unfamiliar, there are the, all the highest ranking generals in the Department of Defense. Mm-hmm. Lovell decided to activate one stealthily in a metal trash can. But oh. the problem is the metal trash can combined with the metal room made it far louder than it was supposed to be. Oh, geez. <laughs> so Lovell says, quote, to my surprise, I saw two and three-star generals clawing and climbing to get through the room's single door. Wow. When it was over, Donovan pulled Lovell aside and said, Professor Moriarty, which was his nickname for Lovell, <laughs> Professor Moriarty, we overdid that one, I think. And they were never again asked to give a presentation to the Joint Chiefs. Oh, yeah. Also, just an aside about Hedy Lamar, you, you know, obviously she was a famous actress, but also brilliant scientist. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe she created some of the technologies that uh, became the founding for the basis of Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. Yes, that's right. And she served in the military, too. That's where she did it, right? Um, I'm not sure about that part, actually. Right. So anyway, so that is the Dirty Tricks Department, Stanley Lovell, the OSS, and the Masterminds of World War II Secret Warfare by John Leslie. I definitely recommend. I like that, and I'm I'm curious to learn. Actually, so one of my favorite OSS gadgets, or I think it's of, of that era, is like the gun like um, glove where you like activate it to by punching someone and it blows them. Whoa, that was not in the book. <laughs> It, they have some of those in the spy museum. I believe it's on the floor, um, mm-hmm. right, right across from the ice, the uh, ice pick. But it was also featured in the movie *Inglorious Bastards*. Like I've seen them before, but I'd never seen them in action until that movie. So let me know if you if you read more about that. I also want to say just to tie this further back into the Mission Impossible realm. Mm-hmm. Um, for reasons that I will not get into here, it seems like the next movie they're going to have to end up using a lot more low-tech solutions for things. So so I would love if they brought back some old, like, OSS-era gadgets. Like the hold-up? Yeah, or, or the, you know, the anything, really. The, any of these things that, or proven versions of them, at least. <laughs> that would be great. 
And when they, they do, we will be covering it here on the SpyFi Guys. Thank you for joining us. You can find us on social media at the SpyFi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and our merch store at redbubble.com. Until next time, I'm Zach. I'm Christian. And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to rate and review us on iTunes. The theme music is by Jer Fitzgerald and Big Man Joe. Media reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended. This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements, or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. You can find our podcast on social media at The Spy Fi Guys on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.